Yes, it's the Chief Zone. Farzine Masugian here along with Zach Steginga and DJ Evans. And it is the final episode of the Chief Zone podcast. Yes, 13 years ago we started this podcast, 13 and a half years ago. And we have covered some of the worst seasons in Chiefs history on this podcast. And we have also discussed some of the best seasons. Uh, either way, it's been a really fun ride. And this is, of course, the last one. Appreciate all of you guys who are downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. And appreciate all of you guys who have listened over the years, whether you started listening this year or if you started listening as early as 13 years ago. It's really been an incredible ride. Still a little bit of, of Chiefs to talk about, which we'll get into on this episode, but it is the final time we'll have the Chiefs Zone podcast. We'll talk about uh, some news going on with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Chris Jones's future, some of the commentary going on about him. Also, a former Chief has a new coaching gig, a, a former Chiefs head coach that is. We'll talk about that and read all of your guys' text messages and also go a little bit into what the new podcast is going to be about. I announced on last episode, the new episode is going to be called Farscast, and that will be coming out in May. And I'll dive a little bit deep into that and just kind of go into the details about that podcast, what you can expect from that, and so on. If you guys want to interact with us on social media, you can do so very easily. Facebook.com slash Farzimbasugan. That is my Facebook. Follow me on Facebook. Uh, and give my page a like. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also follow Zach and DJ on Twitter. If you guys haven't followed them yet to this point, you definitely should. Uh, this will, of course, be the last time I'll have a, have a chance to plug their social media. So give them a follow. Zach is at Z Stegenga and DJ is at Chiefs Fan Chai. And I know I've done a bad job of the uh, episode descriptions, putting the uh, the social media on there. Uh, but I'll make sure I do that this time. So if you're not following Zach or DJ, make sure you do follow them this time around. Because even though this podcast is coming to an end, I'll still be on social media. Zach and DJ, uh, I mean, they're always interacting with people on, on on Twitter. Some of them, of course, are you guys who are following them. Uh, so I've seen that, and I'm, I know they're always more than happy to interact with you guys on Twitter. Normally, I would say this is the part where you subscribe to the podcast and, and, and share it, which you still do. You still do that because this... Uh, this uh, subscription feed for the podcast, it will change to the Farscast, so you do not need to subscribe to anything else. At least that's how it's looking right now. If anything changes, I'll let you guys know on social media, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, we're everywhere on the podcast networks. And then you guys can text in. The text line will still be the same for Farscast as well, and we'll read some of your texts later on, 913 808 2119 As always, like I mentioned, Zach and DJ joining me here on this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for being with me on the last episode of the Chief Zone. I mean, thanks for bringing us in for the last season of it, so to speak. I mean, 13 years seems like an awfully long time. I mean, because let's be real, yeah. we've only been doing this, you know, a couple of months. But, uh, you know, thanks for toughing through all the tough seasons so that way we could be here for the best one. Yes, 100%. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I'm still celebrating the Super Bowl, so... <laughs> And you I'm know what's sure. funny? Yeah, go oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I don't. I don't know what the appropriate time is to stop celebrating a Super Bowl because I've never experienced one. So. Week one. There you go. Yeah, and honestly, Sounds not fair. even then. Like until someone else takes the Super Bowl, I think it's totally fair there to celebrate. Uh, well, you know what's funny is um, uh, I was at Union Station. I, I bought one of those uh, posters of the parade. I have. It's the same angle as they had from the Royals parade. 
So I purchased one, which by the way, if you want to get a poster, it's $25, but if you want to get it framed, it's $95. I'm like, hell no, I can find a cheaper frame and buy that and put it together myself. So, but in, in any event, uh, my brother and I went to Union Station because if you have it delivered to you, it's the shipping is ridiculous. And I figured, hey, why not? It'd be a good time to go and take some pictures of the banners and everything. Um, there's still confetti on the ground because we did get a snowstorm shortly after the parade. And so some of the confetti is under the snow. So it looks like a bunch of tiny, colorful cigarettes on the ground, if that makes sense. So uh, if anyone's looking for a souvenir, uh, still got the uh, still got the confetti laying around Union Station. So go there if you want some of the confetti. Is that worth it to you guys? Confetti souvenir collecting those? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I mean don't get me wrong. Like if someone came to me and like, hey, look, I collected all this confetti from the parade, I'd be like, cool, thanks. But am I about to go out there and collect confetti myself? Absolutely not. Whether if, I live in Casey was, or not. If it was the Super Bowl confetti, like from the actual game, like after the game was over, yeah, I, it, like if that's still laying around somewhere, yeah. But parade confetti, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that's worth it to me. I mean, are they actually authenticating the confetti? <laughs> yeah, there is some poor <laughs> guy who has not, to go through and initial every single like... piece. Yeah. <laughs> if they're like not, MLB authentics, but for every single piece of confetti. Jeez, can you imagine? No, there's a lot of that laying around. Um, but no, it's so cool. I, I did not think they would still have the banners at Union Station, but I guess they're going to keep them around for um, for a while. Uh, it, it's pretty cool, man. Like, like the town is red at this point. I, and I mentioned this last week. I've never seen so many cars uh, that have like Chiefs flags hanging from their windows uh, as I have the past couple of weeks. It's really cool just to see just. How excited everyone uh, is right now. Uh, how, uh, just just how uh, the city is because of the Super Bowl right now. It's really cool to see. Um, I, I've always wondered when I get to see a Chiefs Super Bowl celebration in this town. And I did not think it would happen for the longest time. And uh, we finally got one, which is awesome. Yeah, wish I could have been there for that. Not going to lie to you. you know, it took everything I had not to just you know, book that flight for the parade. And then I figured, well, all right, I should really probably be an adult and be smart with my money and not do things like that. But, man, it took every ounce of self-control I had. Well, you know, I was really nervous because, I mean, look, I talked to both of you guys. DJ talked me off to walk away from the ledge and not end the podcast mid-season because I had a lot going on. uh, And I've kind of gone over this. um, But I I was like, yeah, you know what, let's try to finish off the season. DJ kind of talked me out of to... uh, I was going to end it, but he was like, no, 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 you should keep it going, at least for now. Uh, so I appreciate that, DJ. Because uh, I'll be honest, if I, ended that, <laughs> if I ended that midseason and the Chiefs won a Super Bowl, I'd be like, ah, oh, damn. But I told you guys at the beginning of the month, or at the beginning of January, I'm like, look, I'm going to do the podcast, and at this point, we're ending it. No matter what happens with the Chiefs, we're ending it. I did not think we'd get to a Super Bowl. I honestly didn't. And the fact that this happened... You know, in the last season of this podcast, it's great. Uh, perfect. Um, like I said, and I'll get into, we'll reminisce on the podcast a little bit because we had a lot of great guests uh, and a lot of great things that have happened on this podcast over the years. Um, and I definitely appreciate everyone that's been a part of it. But uh, got to give a big thanks to DJ for convincing me to not end it. So DJ gets a little bit of praise there. Uh, but definitely big props to you guys for uh, being co-host on this podcast because it has helped a little bit to kind of like, 
you know, as, as far as setting up the podcast goes and all, and I, I've said this before, it's like, look, the reason I'm ending this is because things in my life are, I don't want to say getting hectic, but getting extremely busy to the point that I have zero time committing to this podcast. And people might be asking, why are you doing a new podcast? Well, first off, I'm not going to be doing it weekly. It might be once a month or twice a month. And on top of that, it's not like it's a timely thing where I have to do it for sure on a Wednesday or a Thursday before the week goes on. You know what I mean? So uh, that's why I'm doing a new. It's like, you know, you listen to so much Joe Rogan or uh, Burt Kreischer or whoever. It's like, you know, I already have the audience for it. So why not keep the podcast going at least in some capacity? So we'll still be doing that. We'll still be doing some Chiefs talk. This is not going to be the last time you hear the three of us. That is for sure. Uh, We'll be doing some Chiefs commentary together down the road on Farscast. Uh, not going to be on a consistent basis, of course, but you'll hear us a couple of times a year, hopefully, on uh, on the Forest Cast. But definitely appreciate you two uh, for being a big part of this. Hey, man, you make our jobs easy. I mean, as I've said a couple times when we, whenever we've talked about the fact that the podcast is winding down and all, uh, you know, the amount of work, guys, that Farzine puts into this on a weekly basis, I mean, it's the reason we're good at what we do. Don't get me wrong, DJ and I like to think we do do a nice job, but... Nah, Farsine's <laughs> the one who makes this thing go, uh, and he allows us to be able to just kind of, you know, slide right in and just offer our opinions. Like he gives us a great framework to work in, and uh, you make it easy, bud. Yeah, I, I absolutely appreciate being invited into the the podcast. Obviously, a couple of months ago, and what a season to be in, involved in it, man. I, I told you, uh, you know, way back in the day that you were the first one I listened to in 2017. Yeah, I remember that. It was, the, it was the, I think it was right before or after the Chiefs beat the Broncos on Monday Night Football. I started listening to your podcast, and uh, you got me through a lot of uh, trips to work, trips back from work, and uh, trips to the airport to go to see Chiefs games. So, pretty cool. That is awesome. I've heard stories like that too, where I've had people say, "Hey, look, you know." Uh, I listen to you on my way to work or I listen to you at work or at school or I work overnight and you've helped, you know, kill basically kill some time or, or have time go by while listening to your podcast, which is always cool. I love hearing stories like that. Um, so I definitely appreciate you telling me that. Uh, you, you guys have done a lot, uh, of course. Uh, I got both of you guys a Kansas City star uh, from the day after the Chiefs won. So I don't know when's the next time you my guys are going to be in town. I mean, Zach... Zach, I know, I know you live in Kansas, or your family lives in Kansas City, so I, I know you'll probably come back a couple of times during the offseason. Oh, yeah. DJ, you probably won't be back until uh, the Chiefs season starts, I'm guessing. No, actually, uh, I'll be back in uh, April. I'm gonna, we're going to the draft party, so. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Well, so okay. we we'll meet up. Not yeah, because definitely. Of <laughs> well, meet yeah, up. for we'll, sure. We'll have met up anyways, uh, but. But definitely little, let me know that is when always you guys are in town because I do have yeah. I do have uh, yeah it is I've been there once and it is, it is a lot of fun but I do have a Kansas City star for both of you guys so uh, I'll be giving it, that to you guys because you guys definitely That's deserve awesome. it for all the help it. you guys have given for the podcast no I appreciate you guys uh, means a lot so uh, like I said we'll we'll reminisce on the podcast a little bit more later on but of course we want to discuss some of the Chiefs stuff on here I want to start with this because. We know the Chiefs are going to be playing on the first game of the 2020 season. Now, this past year was an exception because it was the 100-year anniversary of the NFL. And they wanted to do uh, Bears-Packers to honor 100 years of the NFL. It didn't end up being a great game, but they still gave the Patriots a Sunday night football game so they can do their banner night on national TV. But uh, in any event... 
here's my thought, because assuming the NFL goes back to the tradition of letting the reigning Super Bowl champions have the first home game, of, and just the first game in general of the 2020 season, it's going to be the Chiefs at Arrowhead, but who is it going to be against? And I know a lot of people are, th- are throwing a lot of teams out there. I think it should be whoever Tom Brady is playing for in 2020, as long as it's one of the eight teams that the Chiefs are playing at Arrowhead for 2020, which right now the two teams are either the Patriots, going back to the Patriots, and there's a lot of hype, a lot of rumors out there that Tom Brady is going to go to the Oakland Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, I should say, for a two-year $60 million contract. Now, if the Raiders want to overpay him while having Derek Carr on the team, hey, I'm all for that. I'd love to see Tom Brady lose to the Chiefs twice a year. Uh, But more importantly, look, I think there would be a lot of hype to Tom Brady coming to Arrowhead uh, for the first game of the year, especially if it's on another team, if it's a, a team with Vegas. Now, I would imagine Vegas would want to have their first game be a home game so they could show off the new stadium on primetime. I remember the Chiefs did that in 2010. They requested a home primetime game for week one, uh, or at least that was a rumor. That way they could show off the renovations that they worked so hard on for a couple of years at Arrowhead and as well as Kauffman Stadium, and the Chiefs did end up getting that. But I think Kansas City's first game should absolutely be whoever Tom Brady is playing for as long as it's one of the eight teams on the schedule, which right now it appears to be either the Raiders or the Patriots, teams who the Chiefs will for sure be playing at home this year, Zach. I'm all for that, realistically. I mean, I would like to see it be Brady on the Pats just because, you know, it'll be a little less awesome if it's Brady on the Raiders uh, or, you know, Chargers, I've also heard the rumor of just, you know, they're talking about quarterback needy teams. Um, but regardless, I think that it would be perfect if it was against Brady still in his Patriots uniform just to be like, hey, guys, we got this new changing of the guard. Game on. Yeah, it, it would be awesome to obviously have the Patriots come there with Brady um, and us to beat them again like we did uh, last time they were at Arrowhead. Well, I mean last regular season game at Arrowhead. We should have beat them the last time they were at Arrowhead. But, um, uh, you know, other than that, I think you're right, uh, Farzina. I think it's going to be wherever Brady's at. Uh, the other one, the other team I heard was suggested was maybe Houston because of Deshaun Watson. So, you know, that's a possibility. But I'm, I'm so looking forward to the banner being raised or whatever they're going to do. I'm not sure what they're going to do yet because I've heard so many things about whether they can do a banner or a flag or love to see a banner, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Zach and I, we were actually talking about that. Um, I don't know where you could hang a banner. They do have the 69 flag in the end zone opposite of where the uh, corner tunnel is, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what they'll do. Uh, I think they they'll do a flag, uh, they'll raise a, uh, a 2019 flag. I think that's the best they can do because uh, they really don't have a lot of room for a banner unless they make one for the appropriate size where the drum deck is. That's the only option I can think of. But as far as the teams you threw out there, yeah, the Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes storyline, that'd be a great one to put there if Brady is not one of the, uh, he's not on one of the eight teams that's coming to Kansas City. I would also even just consider having the Patriots because let's be honest, there's an easy storyline right there to talk about the two, the, the last two teams 
that played uh, or that won the Super Bowl in the Chiefs and Patriots. Plus, you've got the two best coaches uh, in terms of most wins among active head coaches in the NFL in Belichick and Reed. So uh, that's really uh, those are really the uh, viable options. I guess it's whoever Brady's playing for. Or the Patriots, straight up, whether Brady's there or not, or Deshaun Watson. Do you guys have any other suggestions to throw out there? Or do, do you guys we think have those the Ravens the, at uh, home? No way. Ah, well, bummer. Yeah, that's that right. was my only other option, just because you know, recognizing the way that yeah, you, know, you look at how the league likes to market as a general rule. You know, it's it's the quarterbacks. You know, it was Brady versus Manning, and now it's going to be you know the new guard where it's Mahomes, it's Jackson, it's Watson. I'm sure I'm missing one in there, but you know, it's not Garoppolo. Uh, <laughs> beyond that, I'm trying to think of you know, others that are in that mix, but you know, they like True to lock. market off their quarterbacks. That's just the reality of it. And so I would imagine that to the extent they're able to hype that up by making that part of the matchup, they'll absolutely choose to do so. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, you always want to do it right because look at the Patriots when they played the Steelers. I mean, that was a bore fest. And obviously, we did not know the Steelers were going to take a step back the way they did. I'm sure Roethlisberger's injury had a hand in that, of course. Uh, but you always want that game to be a good one. Uh, like, even though the Chiefs blew out the Patriots when they played uh, to open up the 2017 season, that that's a that's a blowout that you still tune in for all four quarters oh, because— game. Yeah, I mean, you never see the Patriots get blown out like that. And I remember the Boston media kind of freaked out and said, man, we haven't seen this since the last time we were blown out by the Chiefs, which was the Monday night game. DJ, you referenced that uh, a couple of minutes ago, um, where even though that was a, a 41-14 to 14 blowout, everyone still was watching that game. And I'm not talking just Chiefs fans. I'm talking, you know, a, a Bengals fan or a Seahawks fan that has no uh, rooting interest in either of the two teams. Uh, but... It's never you never see the Patriots get blown out like that, especially on primetime football. So everyone was watching that until the final second. Um, it'd be interesting to see that uh, once again, Chiefs Patriots, because Chiefs Patriots on primetime always delivers. And even though they weren't on primetime this year, uh, that game came down to the wire. So it's always good to see that. And even though we're no longer doing the Chiefs on podcast, still you can always interact with us. Let us know your thoughts on anything. We discussed. Let us know on Facebook and Twitter. I do want to move on and touch on Chris Jones because he's right now the biggest topic in terms of the offseason for the Kansas City Chiefs. What will the Chiefs do with Chris Jones? And I'm hearing a lot of people entertain the idea of trading Chris Jones for two first-round draft picks or a first and a second-round pick, and that way the Chiefs can get multiple first-round picks. Uh, I, look, I have a lot to say about this. First off, I understand there is a cap issue right now. And restructuring Sammy Watkins' contract would really... I mean, that's going to essentially set the tone for the offseason, uh, if you would. Because they got to be able to free up some space there if they want to extend uh, or re-sign Chris Jones, I should say. Maybe extend Mahomes, maybe wait another offseason for that. Uh, I'll kind of provide my thoughts on that in a moment. But for right now, look, Chris Jones was a huge reason for the team's Super Bowl comeback. He batted down three passes in the game, and a couple of them came late in the fourth quarter when the defense needed to come up with some stops. And if Chris Jones is not on the field in the fourth quarter for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I don't think we're sitting here talking about a Super Bowl comeback win. We're probably talking about 
a Super Bowl loss by 10 points or maybe more at this point. So I think that's a big reason why you've got to do everything in your power to keep Chris Jones. Second of all, I know a lot of times people will say, oh, well, we can just find someone else in the draft and replace him. No, you can't. His size and stature, first of all, I mean, that is just rare for a guy like him. Even at his position, you got a lot of big boys at that position right there at defensive line. Even then, the size that he brings to the table at that spot, very rare to have. And people are saying, you know, you can just replace him in free agency in the draft. Look, people said that about Eric Berry. Replacing Eric Berry, and this was before his injuries, before uh, John Dorsey gave him a massive contract. Uh, But a lot of people were saying, look, let's not give him the contract because we can replace him in the draft. And I'm sitting here saying, who? Who could you replace him with? The only two players that realistically could fully replace Eric Berry were Tyron Matthew and Earl Thomas. Obviously, the Chiefs have uh, Matthew. They almost got Earl Thomas, which that would have been insane to see those two together in Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City almost got both of those. And there are not a lot of elite safeties that can change the game like Eric Berry, like Tyron Matthew, like Earl Thomas. And the Chiefs, fortunately, and, you know, there's also uh, luck is a part of it, but also credit to the front office. Um, the Chiefs, fortunately, were able to get the right replacement for Eric Berry. But if you let Chris Jones go, if you trade him now, who are you going to bring in realistically to fill that gap in? Because I don't know if you can give me a name right this second and say, this guy will come in and make everything look almost like as if Chris Jones is still on the team. Can you guys think of someone? Because I can't. The only possible way that that makes any sense in terms of a replacement perspective, realistically might already be on the team in terms of the sheer athletic ability that Colin Saunders has, but that would require him to improve by a massive margin, which, um, don't get me wrong, I think he's going to be a perfectly good player, but he ain't going to be Chris Jones. That's just a fact. Uh, I mean, truly, Chris Jones is a unique player in that really just his wingspan especially is pretty unique to have the strength that he does, but also the wings that he's got, man. Like, he's he's unique. There's a reason he's good at batting down passes, and part of it's obviously timing, but part of it's just those super long arms. Like, he, he is truly a unique player that's one that we ought to keep. I know it'll be expensive and that that's a lot of money on the D line, but... You know what? In today's passing league, there's only one better place possibly to put that money, and that's in the secondary. Yeah, there's there's one defensive tackle that's better than Chris Jones, and his name is Aaron Donald. Um, Chris Jones is unbelievable at getting to the passer. You know, his – here, I mean, there's a lot of stats out there that say he's not good against a run. I, I heard something the other day that said that – I disagree. Um, well, I heard something the other day that said – you know, when he's out there, our run defense gives up about 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, when he's not, it's under 5. It's like 4.5, 4.4, something like that. Um, but he has a skill set that it's – I don't think – you know, I, I love Colin Saunders, but I don't think he's going to be able to replace Chris Jones. He's not Chris Jones. And a lot of people wanted to say that Damian Williams should have been MVP over like Mahomes or or that would have been their second choice, but I totally disagree with that. I, I would have said Chris Jones. Like Chris Jones defined that that the end of that game. Like he 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 made so many plays. Um he caused the interception that Breland got. 
Um, he batted down two or three passes in the fourth quarter. If he doesn't play that game, I don't know if we win that game. So, you know, Chris Chris Jones is the guy you might want to keep. And it might be possible because you, you look at the cap and, yeah, it's going to be a bit – do you want to have two guys making $20 million uh, a season, him and Frank Clark? Yeah, but that's a great remember, point. Realize that the CBA is going to be changing. There's going to be a new CBA. There's going to be a lot more dollars, kind of akin to what the NBA did. And so you might have enough money, especially if you start uh, Chris Jones's contract, like small like they did with uh, Frank Clark and uh, Tyra Matthew, where – the first year is like six, seven million dollars. You might be able to do it, but you, I, you're not going to get two first round picks for Chris Jones. Um, I don't even know if I like the same draft capital that we got for Frank Clark and giving away Chris Jones. Like he's, he's, and he wants to be here. <laughs> that's a, that's a guy yeah. that wants to be a Kansas City Chief. And he, he sets he was a lot of the Saturday tone in that night. locker room. He was out Saturday night delivering pizza shuttle. Surprising fans. Zach, you know me, man. I don't know if you know about you know this about me, DJ. Dude, I love pizza shuttle. And I was super stoked that they opened one in Overland Park. Like, that is, Zach, you had pizza shuttle in Lawrence, right? Oh, of course. And I took full advantage of the fact that there was one in OP when I lived there, too. I mean, it, it's just, oh, yeah, you're right. I actually do remember you texting me the day they opened. You told me they ran out of pizza on the first they night. They did. I tried to go in, and they were out. I thought that was funny. I do know. Um, uh, I do know. Pizza Shuttle has the Chris Jones uh, soda, which I don't drink soda, but I'll be honest, it's got Chris Jones's name, and you know what? M- what marketing does sometimes. So I, m- I might be willing to uh, to try that. But in any event, uh, look, I, I want to go back to something DJ said because I do remember. Um, I think it was Tim Grunhard who said something to the effect of how. If you do pay Chris Jones, then one-fourth of your salary cap is essentially going to be from the defensive line. And you already have the highest payroll at wide receiver because of Sammy Watkins and Hill, the number one receiver and the number four receiver in terms of payroll for 2020 in the NFL. And that's why restructuring Watkins' contract is a must because, as we said last week, that will open up a lot of things for the Chiefs to do in the offseason. I will say this. I think they should. Here was... My scenario, and again, I'm no expert with the cap situation, but if I could, from what I do know, what I think would be ideal, don't pay Mahomes this offseason. And if we're being honest, he's probably not struggling for a lot of cash right now, given all the endorsements he has. Uh, Extend Chris Jones and don't backload the contract. Front load it. Front load it, excuse me. Because if you can front load that contract... And as, you know, the next four or five years, however long you extend them for, goes on, it's not going to be as hefty, and you'll be able to afford a guy like Mahomes for years to come. I, and again, I, I'll, like I said, I'm not too big of a whiz when it comes to the cap. Zach, I know you were telling me you can go to overthecap.com and play with the calculator and kind of just be the GM in that way and kind of understand the way how things work. So there's that. That's just an idea I'm throwing out there. But here's one other point. A lot of fans are worried about paying him because what if he gets hurt like Eric Berry? It's like, first of all, we can't, you know, be live in fear uh, and say that, you know, what if we pay someone and all of a sudden they start getting hurt? Because we may as well say that about Patrick Mahomes or anybody that the Chiefs extend. Look at Tyree Kill. The Chiefs extended him and he missed, what, four games, four and a half games uh, with the injury that he had. I mean, look, these things happen, unfortunately. 
Uh, Tom Brady missed a whole year uh, in, after suffering an injury against the Chiefs in week one. Listen, courtesy Patrick of Bernard Mahomes Pollard. Might, yeah, courtesy of Bernard Pollard. Listen, uh, it may happen to Patrick Mahomes one day where he misses a full season. It, it could happen. May, hopefully it doesn't. Uh, but if it does happen to Mahomes, he's not the first elite quarterback to miss a year. Peyton Manning missed an entire year. Andrew Luck has missed a lot of time before. Uh, so these things happen, unfortunately. But uh, we can't sit here and live in fear. And the other thing is, so many Chiefs fans are so desperate in wanting a first-round draft pick, multiple first-round draft picks. And I'm sitting here thinking, look, we've gone to, we, we've almost been to back-to-back Super Bowls. We're a mental mistake away from being uh, back-to-back Super Bowl champs, possibly. And we didn't have a first-round draft pick in either year. Obviously, last year we traded that for Frank Clark. The year before, we traded it to draft up or to trade up to get Patrick Mahomes. Um, so, the Chiefs are not a team, historically speaking, desperate for a first-round pick. Look at some of the non-first-round picks the Chiefs have gotten over the years, even with different regimes. Jared Allen, a fourth rounder. Dante Hall, fifth round. Brandon Flowers, second round. Brandon Carr, fifth round. Jamal Charles, a third rounder. Ryan Suckup, seventh round pick. Uh, Dexter McCluster, second rounder. Rodney Hudson, second rounder. Justin Houston, a third round pick. Niall Davis, Travis Kelsey, also third round picks. Mitch Morris and Chris Jones were second round picks. Tyreek Hill is a fifth rounder. Kareem Hunt's a third rounder. Demarcus Robinson is a fourth rounder. McCall Hardman and Juan Thornhill were second rounders. Now look, not all of those guys were pro bowlers. And the guys who are non-pro bowlers, they either were still big contributors or they went elsewhere and made a lot of money. And I know some guys like Justin Houston and Tyreek Hill, they got in, in, into some trouble that hurt their, uh, their draft stock. Uh, which, you know, we won't dive into that uh, specifically. But the point is, the, I mean, the Chiefs have not had issues finding young talent outside of the first round. And you know what? Even when they do draft guys in the first round, listen to th- these numbers here. Larry Johnson, 27th first round pick. Uh, 27th overall. Tamba Holly, 20th overall. Dwayne Bow, 23rd overall. D4, 23rd overall. Marcus Peters, 18th overall. Patrick Mahomes, 10 teams passed up on him, including the Bills, who were supposed to go 10th, but they traded that pick to KC, obviously regretting it now. I mean, you have a lot of great players that have not been taken right away in the first round. I just gave you guys a bunch of names who the Chiefs have drafted over the years. Again, not all of them were Pro Bowlers, but... Even the non-Pro Bowl guys, uh, like, a, like a Demarcus Robinson, that guy's going to get paid by someone. He's going to make big money somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chiefs don't have any issue whatsoever when it comes to finding players outside the first round. So for people suggesting that the Chiefs should trade Chris Jones for multiple first-round picks, if that offer is even possible, or a one and a two, I say hell no to that man. Listen, unrealistic scenario, but bear with me here. Unrealistic. If I was promised the number one overall pick for two years in a row, if I give up Chris Jones, give me Chris Jones any day, man. Because even though it's nice when you get some draft picks, you get excited for those. At the end of the day, they're still draft picks. We don't know exactly what they're going to become until we see them on the field. Glenn Dorsey was supposedly going to be one of the best defensive players uh, that the NFL had seen in the last 15 years. And we never saw Glenn Dorsey come to fruition in the NFL, unfortunately. So uh, give me a proven guy over the number one overall pick or, or multiple first-round picks for multiple years because it is very hard to replace Chris Jones. I mean, if you're talking straight up the guaranteed first overall pick in two straight years, 
you might get me on that one. Just because mm. you look at what you could turn that into. Like, imagine if you're sitting there, you know, at the top of this draft, right? And you've got a quarterback for some reason. Like, you know, you're all set at that. Like, you know, I look at, um, you know, the year that uh, we had the first overall pick and we had gone out and signed Alex Smith because it was a quarterback week draft. Like, you know, you're sitting there and, you know, there's quarterbacks in the draft that everybody wants. Like, you can get someone like that that has some value. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely hear where you're coming from. That's a ridiculous scenario to even picture, like, to have two straight first overall picks. Like, that's not going to happen. That's not how it works. But in that crazy hypothetical, maybe I could see trading Chris Jones. But in the more realistic world, you know, even just two first-rounders at all, I mean, nah, I'm good. We can keep Chris Jones, no doubt. I mean, you look at some of the, you know, top five picks that the Chiefs have had in the past. It, like just the ones that come immediately to my memory. You know, you mentioned one already in Glenn Dorsey. I think he was the fifth overall pick. Uh, Correct. Then we had the you know world beater that was Tyson Jackson, third oh, overall. <laughs> and then of course Eric Fisher, who has been a point of significant frustration to me for most of his career, but has really stepped up recently. So no bad words about Fisher. Don't get me wrong. I've said enough of them over the years. I don't need to do them now. Uh, but, you know, you look at some of those, you know, real top five type draft picks, like really our track record with those isn't awesome at all. No, and if you think about, like, I mean, the the draft where we had Eric Fisher, I mean, who was really available in the top? 10 or 15. That is true. Yeah, that was a terrible draft. Yeah, it was awful. So, um, you know, Chris Jones, um, I I firmly believe, obviously they're going to tag him. There's no doubt about that. And the question is, will they extend him? And I think they want to get Patrick Mahomes' deal done first, which makes sense because with the new CBA coming – that could mean a lot more money for Mahomes. So get Mahomes done before that happens. So you're paying him $40 million a year instead of $60 million a year. And maybe they can talk, you know, Chris Jones into, hey, look, let's get him done first. Then we'll get you done. But we want you. We're going to tag you. Obviously, we want we want to keep you here. But let's get the top dog done so that we can – build around that but he's you know Mahomes is the most important guy I mean it's not even a question okay so let me just go around the room real real quickly so two questions will the Chiefs extend Chris Jones not not a uh not a tag will they actually give him a an actual contract extension will they agree to one uh and then will he be playing in uh for the Chiefs in 2020 I say yes to both of them I know Brett Veach I mean a year ago today, people were criticizing him for his abilities as a GM, and now everyone loves him, which is easy to do once you win a Super Bowl. But I say yes, I think the Chiefs will find ways to work things out with the cap, and they'll extend him, and he'll be playing for the Chiefs in 2020. Zach, what do you say? I think you're absolutely right on that. He's the kind of guy that they're going to work to keep, and I think they can get creative enough with the cap and the new CBA coming in that they'll still be able to pay Mahomes his money. I think they'll keep him. I agree. DJ. He will, he will be on the team. And they will extend him eventually. I mean, he's out there signing autographs. I mean, it's like he's he is under contract. The way he's acting, it's like he is under contract. He's out there delivering pizza shuttle, which is delicious. Yeah. Not a sponsor of this podcast, but I'm going to plug it anyway because it's awesome. A lot I'll of great pizza in the area, by up. the way. Well, think about think about what he said uh, 
a week ago when we won, or two weeks ago, whenever it was, he said, we're going to win another one of these things. He didn't yeah, say, he did. I'm going to. He said, we are going to win another one. So he actually believes that he's going to be on this team and win another one. So and heck, he called his shot he last he's year. Be here. Be cool if he did you it know again. What? Yeah, yeah. Chris Jones has a knack for these kinds of things. I remember a couple of years ago he tweeted during the AFC Championship game uh, and said, we'll be here, and then a year later it's Chiefs versus Patriots, AFC title game. Look, I will just say this. I, I believe everything he's saying. Don't get me wrong. At the same time, it's like, you know, what is he supposed to say? I remember Billy Butler of the Royals, or formerly of the Royals, I should say, after 2014's uh, World Series, uh, he made a comment saying, hey, yeah, we'll be back and I'll make it. And we're all like, oh, he said we. We will be back. Uh, but obviously he wasn't on the team in 2015. Um, again, don't get me wrong. I, I still believe everything is going to pan out. Um, but it is kind of encouraging to hear him say that and do all these things in the community when he doesn't have a contract right now. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of optimism if you're a Chiefs fan uh, in terms of trying to keep Chris Jones in Kansas City long term because you need him. You definitely need him uh, if you guys want to win another Super Bowl for sure. He's he's a superstar. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, real real quickly. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but uh, Todd Haley. Of course, he was the former head coach here in Kansas City. A lot of a lot of hope with him, especially when the Chiefs had those wins against the Steelers and the Broncos in 2009. The Steelers were the reigning champions that year, and the Broncos, the Chiefs actually prevented them from going to the playoffs that year. And then the following year, the Chiefs go 10-6, and six, and they win the, the division for the first time in seven years. And you start to think that there's going to be some some good stuff to come with this Pioli regime. You have Charlie Wise as the offensive coordinator. You have you have Romeo Cornell as the defensive coordinator. Like, you've got an all-star coaching staff right now, and Scott Pioli running the team only for a year later, not even to complete three full seasons, Todd Haley gets fired. Now, still a great offensive coordinator. He went to Pittsburgh. Had some good offenses there. Uh, he did get fired midseason with the Browns, unfortunately. He was a big part in helping the Arizona Cardinals in going to the Super Bowl. If you remember, that's mm-hmm. when they had Kurt Warner, and they had uh, three players that had 1,000 receiving yards. Anquan Bolden, Larry Fitzgerald, and Steve Breston, who eventually did come to Kansas City for a little bit. Um, but now Todd Haley... Going from two decades of coaching in the NFL is now coaching high school, not as a head coach, but as an offensive coordinator for a high school team in Florida in Sarasota. Now, what could be the reasons for this? Could it be negative reasons such as he burned so many bridges? Or is this one of those things where, you know, he coached too long in the NFL or two decades, which is still a long time? But maybe the stress got up to him, and maybe he wants a much lesser role, even at the high school level. That way he can still have time for family. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of that. Because Todd Haley is a great offensive-minded coach. He really is. Um, But to see him take an assistant coaching role for a high school team, that is a bit of a surprise. And part of me wonders, it could be maybe for family reasons. I remember Charlie, Charlie Weiss, when he was the head coach of Kansas... He said one of the things about the NFL is that it really is hard to have time for your family, whereas outside of the NFL, if you're coaching it at the college level, there is more time to spend with your family, uh, which kind of surprised me a little bit because of how grueling the recruiting process can be, but I can also get where he's coming from. Uh, what do you guys make of this? I'll start with you, DJ. You know, I so you, 
you met, you bring up uh, Charlie Weiss, and I wonder why Todd Haley is not getting a gig like that. Um, you know, Todd Haley, you could tell it from uh, Hard Knocks from, uh, what was it, two years ago. He's a guy that wants to be the biggest voice in the room. And um, it was really confrontational when they showed those those episodes where he was talking to the head coach of the Browns. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there, I mean, there's two possibilities. There's a, he just wants to be rid of the, the NFL and all the, the, the craziness that goes on with that. Or B, he's been kind of blacklisted from it because nobody wants to deal with his stuff anymore. And, um, I, 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 I would expect that he, if he really wanted to be part of this, I think he would have still been like doing some type of TV show or something to try to maybe eventually get back in. Honestly, I just keep wondering like what his angle is. Like part of me wonders if, you know, maybe he's got a kid who's playing on this team or something. And if that's the case, I mean, more power to the guy. I mean, realistically, you know, he was a great offensive mind, uh, you know, great offensive coordinator and I know he's certainly had some flare-ups as you mentioned there DJ um and I think that's ultimately what got him run out of Kansas City too um but you know as far as I'm concerned like you know good good coach to say the least and you know if he's just wanting to you know still be a part of the game but also kind of be semi-retired you know I can think of a whole lot worse gigs than coaching high school football I mean I know yeah that's something that happens a lot with you know, players when they retire, coaches, uh, I guess less, or if they do, you just don't hear about it as often. Uh, but I see no reason that, you know, I, honestly, for his sake, I hope that he's got a kid on the team or something and he's able to kind of, you know, have some of that fun, kind of the same way that, you know, Bill Self was able to have fun with Tyler at the end of the bench, um, you know, yeah. when he was there. Just because you know the, you know, the toll that it takes on these guys' families uh, when they're, you know, working these crazy hours and that, you know, it gives them a chance to, you know, really spend a little more time with their kid in a little bit of a different capacity. So I think that I'm hoping for his sake that that's the case, though, to be honest, I have no inside information. I could be way off base here. Who knows? But, you know, I see nothing wrong with it. You you don't have any inside information. You don't have any 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 sources like, you know, a lot of people on Twitter have sources these days. You don't have any of those. I, nope. d- I do not. I don't <laughs> no, even have the fake either. Twitter source kind. <laughs> No, uh, I mean, Judge, there are a lot uh, of people. No, who, you know what? If you uh, t- tweet Judge Reed, he might have a source. <laughs> yeah, that guy blocked me uh, because, me I, I, yeah, I mean, that guy. Uh, he, he's the one who was like, oh, yeah, Chris Jones. Yep, uh, someone from the team told me a contract's coming. It's like, dude, come on. Uh, go talk about it on your non-existent series XM show that you claim to have. Um, DJ knows what I'm talking about. But in any event... <laughs> Uh, uh, no, here's the thing with Todd Haley. Uh, I mentioned Sirius XM. Todd Haley does, uh, early morning radio on NFL's, uh, on the Sirius XM NFL channel. So he's doing some of that right now, which by the way, Scott Pioli is also doing Sirius XM NFL. So I, I don't know, like Charlie Weiss is also on there too. So do those guys ever talk to one another? Do they clash? Are they, are they friendly? I don't know. I'm kind of curious because I know. Their time in Kansas City was not the uh, the friendliest. And you guys kind of alluded to it, the Anquan Bolden thing. You mentioned hard knocks, DJ. There was a defensive player who was doing something. And that defensive player was calling him Toad. And Todd was saying, 
don't call me that. And, and the, I don't know who the player was, but he goes, he, he looks at Todd Haley and calls him bro. And Todd Haley goes, don't bro me. It's like, <laughs> man, like what interaction? Like, I, I know, sure, it's reality TV, it's edited, but we've never seen that on any of the other hard knocks, have we? Like, yeah, sure, we've seen yelling and cursing and all, that's normal. But that kind of interaction between a player and a coach and then the... Uh, the report about how Todd Haley uh, was yelling at the defensive coordinator because the Browns players were touching the quarterback for the Browns. It's like, you know, it, Todd Haley's not the easiest guy to work with. So I'm curious how that'll translate to going to uh, the high school. Level. Like, you're not even the head coach, and you're still the biggest guy in the room in terms of, you know, coaching ability there. So uh, I'm actually very curious to follow that that high school team because I, I think based off Todd Haley alone, that offense is going to be really good. I mean, it, it has to be, you have a former NFL head coach, a guy who used to coach a, a team to a Super Bowl once with the Cardinals. You have him coaching a high school team. Now I think they're going to be really good. Yeah. I just figured out that it, it's more just along the family lines. You know, he's got a daughter who attends a nearby school and he's kind of just doing this as like a semi-retired sort of thing. Um, but certainly makes sense. You know, it's tough to argue with that. I mean, he, uh, you know, I guess the head coach had just had to replace his offensive coordinator. And he was like, I mean, why not? Let's go see if he'd watch some film with us or something. And then, you know, one thing leads to another. And here we go. He's coaching high school football. Uh, realistically, I think he's going to make whatever kids play in that quarterback position. He's going to make him a whole lot better. Yeah, just like how Charlie Weiss made Matt Castle look like a pro bowler that one year. Uh, DJ, I'll give you the final word on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any disdain for Todd Haley. I mean, those we had one good year where we had two awesome running backs. Uh, well, we had one really awesome running back, and we had Thomas Jones. But and then Thomas Jones uh, broke, obviously, our first round draft pick wide receivers draw. But uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually I, I'm glad he did. <laughs> I don't know. Todd Haley, obviously, you're right. He has a great offensive mind. I don't know about his head coaching ability or his ability to coach people. It seems like it's lacking, but uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, there was that rumor also in his first year with the Chiefs. He Again, just a rumor that he flipped off a fan after that fan shouted that he should be fired. Again, there's no proof of that, but... Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, you gotta be, it's kind of like the Miles Garrett thing where he's accusing Mason Rudolph of the racism, uh, mm -hmm. the racist comment. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you gotta be careful. You know, that, that that's yeah. a, that's a really, really strong accusation. So I don't know. Uh, if the Tyree kill thing taught me anything, it's just let the, let, let the things play out. If there's evidence, talk about it even more, but I don't know. Uh, it, bottom line. Bottom line, uh, there's been a lot of negative stories about Todd Haley. Uh, so it is interesting to see him at the level. But as Zach mentioned, there could be some uh, personal ties as well for doing so. All right, uh, let's do this for the final time on this episode, on this podcast, I should say, uh, for the Chiefs Zone. Text messages, 913-808-2119. Again, we will keep the text message uh, phone number. Uh, and I'll explain the details, what we're going to do with the text line moving forward. Um 
uh, but I'll get into that later. But for now, let's read a few of your text messages. First one, uh, Daniel in Florida from the 626. First off, thank you for giving us the best Chiefs podcast I've ever heard. Been listening for about three years. I wish I would have found you earlier. Second, looking forward to hearing the story about your weight loss. As I also struggle with the same issue. Thanks again, Daniel in Florida. Uh, he's referring. So last episode I mentioned, uh, I went into the farce cast a little bit. I talked about what kind of guests we'll get in, and I'll mention that a little later on. I mentioned we'll have um, Mary B, the OG. That's her nickname. She's the one who helped me lose a lot of weight, and uh, she'll be on the podcast later. But if you want to know. I mean, if you want to know something now, like I said, we'll get into that a little later on on the, on the cast. But if you go to my Facebook page, Daniel, facebook.com slash and if you look at my pinned tweet, I have a before and after photo, and I have a long post about it that I wrote. And at the bottom of that post, I have a link to the podcast right after I, I've, uh, I, I, I lost all that weight. And in the podcast, at the end of it, the last 15, 10 minutes, somewhere around there, I actually go deep into the details of how I lost that weight. So if you want to know about that now, because we may not do that weight loss episode right away on the Farscast. Plus, the podcast isn't going to launch until the summer anyway. Uh, might be a good idea to go back where I mentioned on Facebook. Go look for that link and listen to that episode, because I do explain that if you want the details. So I'll tell you now, it's very easy. It just takes a lot of commitment, a lot of dedication, a lot of time, too. A lot of patience. It doesn't happen right away. People want to lose weight instantly. I used to be one of those guys that was that, that would you know go for a nice 30-minute jog on the treadmill, and I would wonder why the hell I'm not losing weight right away. I used to be one of those guys. Trust me. Um, it, it takes a lot of patience. Definitely takes a lot of patience, Daniel. So uh, check out that podcast where I mentioned for you to go look for it, and you'll hear a lot of the details uh, that on there. Is there anything you guys wanted to add to that? No, I think you put a bow on it pretty good, actually. Okay, all right. Yeah. Let, let's let's move on uh, from the 816. Uh, this is Mike and Lee Summit. He says, thank you guys for everything, Farzine. You have not just the first, but the best Chiefs podcast online. And by the way, I mentioned Daniel. I appreciate the kind words from Daniel, and I definitely appreciate the kind words from Mike and Lee Summit. Uh, I wish you'd continue, but I understand you'll be too busy. I am very excited for the Farce cast. I'll definitely be tuning in. I saw you tweeted about how much the Veach narrative has changed in one year. Uh, for, for those wondering what, what he's referring to, I tweeted how you know the narrative was Brett Veach cannot draft to now he's the greatest GM ever. Uh, his question is, what are your expectations from him considering how many times we've changed general managers uh, before him, and we've almost been to two Super Bowls with Veach. That is Mike from Lee Summit. You know, I think my expectation, first off, look, this is a very big offseason because of the Sammy Watkins contract situation. You got to restructure that. You got to find a way to keep Chris Jones, keep uh, Patrick Mahomes. Look, these are great problems to have, but when you have a Super Bowl championship team, the unfortunate reality is you're not going to be able to keep every single person. Demarcus Robinson, he might be a guy who the Chiefs are just going to let walk. Mike Pinnell, he's a really good player. What kind of a what kind of a deal is he going to ask for? How much was, is he going to demand in a contract? Uh, he's a really good defensive lineman, and if he's not coming back to Kansas City, someone's going to pick him up. He's not going to be available midseason anymore. That guy's going to be playing for someone, and he'll be ready to go by OTAs. So, my, my thing from uh, Brett Veach, 
you know, just find a way to keep this team competitive. You know, you got Mahomes, and I think Mahomes will win with anyone. Now, I prefer that we don't test that right away. In other words, I hope Kelsey and Hill are around for a long time, but there's going to be a time where Mahomes is going to be without those guys, whether it's because of injury or, you know, uh, maybe something happens where the two sides part ways, and I'm referring to Kelsey and Hill, uh, but I still think Mahomes will win with anybody. As far as my expectations with him, just find a way to keep this team competitive for years to come. You know you can win with a lot of the core guys you have. Find a way to keep those core guys, and as far as the rest of the players, find competitive football players. That's my expectation from Brett Veach. I think that realistically, he my expectations for him moving forward are simply just, you know, you've got a generational quarterback. And I know I'm not supposed to say naughty words on this podcast, so I won't. But don't mess it up. <laughs> you can do that math from there. Um, I think we figured it out. Yeah, Certainly I hope math. so. Otherwise, we'll have to get the flashcards out. And that's really hard to do on a podcast because it's hard to see. But regardless, you know, just don't mess it up. It's it's that simple. Like, you know, don't do what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, not get him the weapons that he needs or field a competent defense like you got to be smart when you're putting that much money to work on a quarterback and that's what I firmly expect out of Brett Veach you know it's draft well it's you know make strategic signings where you can you know people like the Mike Pinnells of the world I mean realistically the add-ons he's made in season and some of the trades he's made I mean let's remember you know one of our best corners and certainly our best corner on the roster currently we traded a backup offensive lineman for the guy and so you know I expect more moves like that where you spot an underrated asset out there and you go get it. Um, I think it's really that simple, which, like, obviously that is distinctly not simple when you put it all together, but that's why he's making millions of dollars to do it. You keep your core players and you have to let go of guys that you you like, like Breland, um, like, Mm -hmm. you know... uh, they're not even letting those guys Watkins, go. It's just Watkins, Watkins, you just got to get them at the right price. Watkins, that's all. Right. If Watkins, if Watkins won't renegotiate, you let him go too. You you have to you have to let go of some guys that are fringe players, keep your core players, and draft well. And that's that's what the Patriots do. I mean, right? You know, I mean, the Patriots have been doing that yeah. for twenty years, and they've won six Super Bowls. They've been to nine. So. If you can do that, if you have the right guy, and I think we do, uh, if you think about the, the, the guys that Veach has brought in the last two years, it's ama- I mean, it's amazing. You brought up uh, Traverius Ward for a backup offensive lineman who's not even in the league anymore. Nope. Uh, no. Uh, you, you know, everybody kills him for his first draft class. You know, he got Derek Noddy, who's a really, really good defensive tackle. Um you know, I don't know what we have in Breland Speaks. We're going to see him. He, he's still under contract, so we're going to see him uh, this year coming up. Um, he's new Ogba, right? And 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 then we got we got we got this draft class, which was amazing, an amazing, in my opinion, an amazing draft class. You've got Juan Thornhill, who's going to come back fine after the ACL. You're going to have um, obviously Rashad or uh, Fenton coming back as a slot corner. Who played awesome um, this year? He <laughs> did they did they vote for the 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 best executive of the year? Do they have that award? Um, they might, but it doesn't get a lot of pub. 
some there are some media outlets that do it and some that don't uh and, and plus if they do it they usually do that stuff right after the regular season because it's easy to you know say coach of the year and mvp after the super bowl but uh not a lot of media outlets do uh, executive of the of the year and how, no. and how about how about matt moore bringing in matt moore <laughs> yeah that, i mean that that's that may have saved our season no, you, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you were still competitive with Matt Moore, too. Yes. Uh, and, and the other thing you got to keep in mind, it's like, you know, people said, you know, he can't draft. And I know what I've said earlier about first-round picks, but first of all, I think the draft picks have been fine. you got to keep in mind, this guy has not had a first-round draft pick yet. The Patrick Mahomes pick was the last first-rounder, and that was under John Dorsey's watch, technically. I know a lot of people credit Brett Veach for it, but that was still under John Dorsey's watch. Like, well, he's, here, he's, he's the guy make, pulling the move there, essentially. I heard, I heard a story uh, on one of the podcasts from the one of the radio stations that, I think it was A10, that said that Veach got killed back in 2017 because he said, I just saw... The greatest quarterback I've ever seen, and he was talking about Mahomes. Like I actually heard that. Like that was actually on one of the broadcasts this past week. They brought they brought that story up. I never saw well, it anywhere. I never saw it in the papers or anything like that. But Veach always like Veach was the guy that was on him. And and you obviously know this guy's a good evaluator of talent. And look. I think uh, I think Carl Peterson was good with that. I think Herm Edwards was also a big factor. I think Herm Edwards was a really good scout. He was a former scout at one point. Um, I think John Dorsey certainly was really good at that as well. And now you're seeing Brett Veach kind of show that off as well. So you know he's tech- he he's capable of finding good talent out there uh, when it comes to college players. Um, and plus, it's like during the season. He didn't just sit around and say, well, we don't know what to do. No, he went out there and got Mike Pinnell. He got Terrell Suggs. Um, who else did he get? I'm forgetting. I know he got – okay, there was Terrell Suggs, Mike Pinnell. There was another offseason pick. Or it was Steven Wisniewski. Stefan, yes. Yeah, Wisniewski oh, was the other one. What, what yeah, a great so, Like, left guard. <laughs> so, look, we know he's capable of it. So, I think the expectations from him are really high moving forward with the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's go to the 660 <laughs> – uh, we don't have a name on this one, uh, which, you know, that's okay, but I prefer to know who we're talking to. Uh, hey guys, thanks for all the hard work you have done for this podcast. Thank you, 660. I just want to ask how you, how confident you guys are about filling out this cornerback room. Okay, so we know Bashad Breland, he's currently without a contract. We mentioned Charvarius Ward, we mentioned Rashad Fenton. Which um, are the only two cornerbacks we currently have on, or so, under contract yeah. that are at least yeah. noteworthy. We might have so, a couple so of here, futures contracts, but... Only two that played last year. So here's my thing. Um, again, we got to be realistic here, but I'm curious to know if Chris Harris, given mm. that his stats aren't as big anymore, I don't know if he's willing to take less money to come to camp. First of all, let me say this. The the Chiefs are going to be like that team. You know, A lot of people want to go to the Lakers and play with LeBron or go to Golden State and, and play with or, the Warriors because you the know. the 90s Bulls. 90s Bulls. <laughs> Say that again. 90s Bulls. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the 90s Bulls. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's a great point. Um, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be that team where, look, 
players that don't have a ring or maybe have a ring but want another, maybe they'll consider Kansas City and consider it for a small price because let's be honest, you want to increase your chances and you know this team is going to be very good for a long time. I'm curious if Chris Harris says, look, Patrick Mahomes is on offense. I got Tyron Matthew playing safety with me. Kansas City would be a great place to go. I'm curious if Chris Harris is someone who would consider the Chiefs, especially given that he went to school just 40 miles away in Lawrence. You know, there, he has put out a bunch of stuff about that. Um, you know, he's retweeted That's every article point. that yep. has him linked to the Chiefs. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, it's Twitter. So, like, let's not read too far into it, but maybe read far enough into it, you know? I think that realistically, though, the majority of what's going to go on here, maybe we'll get a free agent signing here and there. Um, who knows, you know, if the price is right, maybe we bring back a Breland or a Fuller. But I think that, you know, the the future of that room is coming in in the draft. It's it's that simple. Uh, the question is, you know, how many do we draft? I think it ultimately hinges on, you know, it all kind of goes together there. It's all about, you know, how many free agents are we able to sign, you know, and what kind of cap we're able to work with on that. You know, kind of what caliber guys are we able to bring in? And if we can only bring in top caliber guys via the draft, well, then that's just the reality. These you know, rookies are going to have to step up. I know one guy I'd love to see the Chiefs pick up, whether it's you know, kind of, kind of a second, third round kind of guy. Uh, Bryce Hall from Virginia uh, is one that I've watched a little bit of tape on. And, yeah, he's going to be all right. Um, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind going to uh, – yeah, join the Super Bowl champs. Oh, and also play with his former secondary mate, Juan Thornhill. I'm sure that wouldn't be a bummer for him. So hopefully the Chiefs can scoop him in either the sec, you know, second or third round sort of range. Chris Harris will be on the Chiefs next season. I am predicting that. Boom, and hot take second. Also, yeah, <laughs> also, why not Tony Jefferson and uh, Josh Norman too? Because they're all free, J- free agents. And why wouldn't you want to come play for this team? Yeah, and I know a lot of people will say Josh Norman's decline, but what if he comes to a place like Kansas City where there is a good coaching staff in place? It doesn't look like the Chiefs are going to have any changes at the at the uh, defensive uh, assistant spot. So you've got nearly the same coaching staff coming back, I believe, and maybe a change of scenery with different coaches might help a guy like Josh Norman. I don't know. I'm just throwing that idea out there. I don't think he comes, but if he does... You know, one reason to be optimistic is because of the coaching staff that could maybe help him, whereas other coaches were not able to. Uh, from the 913, I listen to lots of Chiefs podcasts and radio shows that discuss the Chiefs, but I have enjoyed your commentary the best, and I will miss it. Thank you, Sammy. Sammy out of the 913. Thanks for the podcast, and I will look forward to your new podcast, uh, The Farce Cast. Uh, Sammy wants to know, which free agent do you want uh the most in KC, and who should we draft at 32? I know we kind of discussed that in the last one. I mentioned Chris Harris would be my dream scenario, and, and maybe he takes a pay cut there. Uh, as far as who the Chiefs should draft, I don't know uh, an exact name. As far as positions, I would say you have to look at either offensive line uh, or maybe somewhere in the secondary. I mean, Zach, you just mentioned you only have two cornerbacks right now. Um, from, I mean, yeah, they're future guys, but as far as, you know, actual key players, you only got two. So I think it's going to be either offensive line, maybe defensive line, or li- it, it could be any of the defensive spots. Could be linebacker, defensive line, or a quarterback spot. I know that's not a specific answer, but I think it's going to be somewhere in the defense for the most part. Yeah, I think that, you know, as far as free agents are concerned, 
assuming that the question is geared towards just people who aren't currently on the roster, because obviously Chris Jones is top of the list when it comes to free agents. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're, yeah, Chris Harris or, you know, another defensive back, because that's an empty cornerback room. Uh, as far as who we draft at 32, it's so hard to answer on that, because, I mean, yeah, we've certainly got some holes, but ultimately, when you're at 32, it totally depends on how the draft board is shaking out. Uh, yeah. And realistically, I would not be shocked if you know the Chiefs are sitting there at 32 and one of the quarterbacks is still up on the board. Not like one of the super high-tier guys, but like you know, the Jordan Love types. Uh, you know, If one of those guys is sitting there still at the end of the first round and someone wants to trade up the way the Ravens did to get Lamar Jackson, you know, that sort of a thing, I could absolutely see the Chiefs trading back. But ultimately, I think you know, at 32, you're just kind of sitting there letting the letting the field play out a little bit and waiting for the best player available. Y'all know I don't like this guy. But I'm going to use his voice. Best player available. <laughs> <laughs> that generally, that's what a lot of... Uh, I, I hate, by the way, when the media says, so, uh, are you going to draft the best player or, or position of need? It's like, the answer, no matter who you ask in the NFL, is always the same. Like, why are we even asking that at this point? Um... But in any event, uh, oh, so you ever think someone's really of... gonna admit like, oh yeah, we're gonna draft Tyson Jackson for system fit <laughs> instead of the best player available? Spoiler alert: I remember no when... one's gonna say that. I remember uh, Nick Wright when he was doing radio in Kansas City for six ten years ago. He had uh, Scott Pioli as a guest, and I can't remember which year it was. But he goes, all right, Scott, we're going to go through the uh, positions, and you're going to tell me if you think this is a need or not. Quarterback, is that a need or not? And Scott Pioli starts laughing. He goes, Nick, I'm not going to go through every position with you. I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, look, I love Nick Wright. I, like, that guy asks questions that nobody else would ask. But it's like, come on. You know you know, a GM is not going to go through that. with. And what's a GM going to do? Like, reveal his draft board and his needs in front of you on, on, like, on the radio? Come on. Um, I mean, I think some of the needs are pretty common knowledge. Like, that'd be like, you know, Yo, you yeah, for the, sure. uh, you know if Brett Veach goes on Fesco in the morning, he's like, so, Brett, you, know, you think cornerback's a position of need? I don't think Veach is losing anything by saying, like, uh, y- yeah, Bob, we've got two guys signed currently on the roster. Like, it- it's a position of need. Um, From the 785, I love the podcast and will miss it. Thank you, 785. Can you please unblock me on Twitter? <laughs> That's the By end the of way, the text. I, uh, can we just hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, DJ, hold on, hold on. All right. This person just says, "Can you?" Um, well, they say they love the podcast, which I appreciate. Then they ask, "Can you unblock me on Twitter?" I don't know who this is. There's no name. I don't. I mean, I have this person's number, but I'm not going to do anything with it. Um, You're just going to have like, to guess. I mean, yeah, Who uh, do I just go to my block list and just pick a random person? Like, this is like, you know, asking, you you see a pretty girl, you know, at a, at a coffee shop and you go, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you out on a date, okay? Uh, I'll call you. And you leave the coffee shop. You don't even ask for her number. Like, I, I, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> Magic, Farzine. Magic. Okay, can you I know, say what... something? Uh, go ahead, DJ. No, you go ahead. Okay, okay. DJ, you were right there. So I know. Listen, I'm not going to pretend like I'm oblivious to this. I know people complain when I block them on Twitter, which I don't know why people give a damn what they do. People have got to understand something. If someone, I mentioned, you know, we we talked about that one guy who blocked me uh, because I made fun of his sources. Um, but more times than not, 
I hardly know anyone who who has me blocked on Twitter. I know um, there's one guy from ESPN. Lewis Riddick has me blocked because I mentioned the joke that really. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, what's the guy's name? Jimmy Fallon made a funny joke about him the same night. Uh, Salvador Perez and Eric Hosmer went to Fallon. I mentioned that joke, and I guess Lewis Riddick didn't like it. I know Donald Stevenson has me blocked, which is the only successful block he's ever had in his career. Ow. Um, uh, yeah, uh, which isn't saying much against me. Look, hey, I don't, here's my point. If someone has me blocked, I probably don't know. Now, I am aware that people are complaining that I have them blocked, these people complaining also have me blocked. So it's like, what are you complaining about if you have me blocked also because I blocked you? Second of all, like when when I remove someone, first, if I block you, you probably said something crappy and, and I just don't want to deal with it. And I don't want you seeing my tweets. And I quite honestly, I don't care to see yours. Block button there. End of story. Like there's no, there's no pity party happening. Um when someone removes me on Facebook, like, I don't notice it. But when I remove people or when I block someone, people notice. I blocked a woman and she went contacting my mom that I blocked. Like, Whoa. she's telling on me to my mother, which is. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I, I swear to God. Whoa. Like, I'm not making this up. <laughs> DJ. No, too stupid you were, to make up. DJ, you were right there next to me. We were, a, a few of us bloggers and podcasters got together at Johnny's uh, Tavern one yes. night. And I was just, you know, introducing myself to everyone at the table. One woman goes, uh, my name's yes. whatever her name was. Uh, yeah. She goes, you blocked me on Twitter. And yes. everyone starts laughing, <laughs> including me. I'm like, what did I block you for? It, second of all, I, I'm asking more. I, I'm asking questions that I don't care to ask, but I'm just being nice, you know. <laughs> and she goes, the first thing she says is, you blocked me more than a year ago. And I, I wanted to interrupt her and go, stop. You, I blocked you more than a year ago. And she has, like, the details. And apparently I blocked someone else. And it's like, I'm not following the story. One, because it's, I don't know what, what she's saying. And two, I don't care. But it's like, I blocked you more than a year ago. And you have the details down. Like, I don't even know who you are. I don't even remember this because I just blocked someone and move on. You got someone, the, say, people, someone say what you're saying right now. And someone also say, you arrived at that moment. <laughs> you got to understand, like... I don't care. You know, 90% of the people I, I've never met before on my social media. Some some people I've met, like like you, DJ. Uh, I've met some great people this year, uh, whether it's other bloggers, podcasters, or even some listeners. I, I, I actually haven't done that in years past, but this year I met a few. And it's been actually pretty cool. But when someone complains that I block them, it's like, why do you give a damn? Like, I'm not anyone special to even get worked up about when you get blocked. I, that's just me. I just had to rant about that. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, people get really butt hurt over the the blocking thing. I, I, I don't understand why. Um, Mike Florio blocked me back in uh, nailed it March. What? I said nailed it. That's a great person to have. <laughs> yeah, he be, he blocked me because I said that he was being hypocritical because. He was called on Tyree Kill. <laughs> he blocked and, you for that. He, I mean, that's literally he his was supporting entire MO. Peterson, so I don't know. I Mike mean, Freeman blocked me. Look, I don't care if, oh, if no, anyone blocks no, me. Oh, no, no, that guy. Oh, my God. Listen, I, I don't guy. care. I don't care Do that remember? he blocked me. I, I, when, he, when he was doing that stuff to you, I was, I was all over Mike Freeman. <laughs> I appreciate everyone who was. Look, I don't care about being blocked. I do it all the time. Uh, but here's my problem. 
I, I took issue with him, a heavily opinionated sports writer, not being able to accept an opposing view, which yeah. I wasn't even defending domestic violence, which is what he was no. accusing me of. I was saying, hey, you know, there there are text messages that have been proven that maybe what we, th- we thought did happen didn't actually happen. And apparently, you know, dude, he was so upset when the NFL did Farzine, not suspend him. You were tacitly uh, approving domestic violence, according to Mike Freeman. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, it's like, look, man, tacitly uh, for me. Here's what I'll say. By the way, here's what people have told me. They go, dude, why don't instead of blocking people, why don't you just mute? Okay, I'm gonna say something that's gonna offend people, and I'm sure there are people who do mute and not block. Do you know why they do that? Because they don't want to lose followers. I have blocked people who follow me. I don't give a damn. I've blocked people who say, oh. Uh, I, I listen to you. Please unblock me. I'm like, no, you said something crappy. You deserve it. Get out of here. Uh, I've had people who have contacted me on like Instagram or Facebook because I blocked them on, you know, the other. Anyway, I, I've ranted too long on this. Uh, I, I, I hope people understand. Like, I don't care if I block you and I hope you don't care either. But I guess some people do. Uh, I'm flattered. What can I say? Uh, 515. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that one. Um, okay, 785, whoever you are, since you said please, which is a very lost art these, day, these days, and people saying please, just text me your username. I'll unblock you because you said please. Uh, 515, I, I only listened to the past couple of seasons, but I really enjoyed the podcast. Not related to any current Chiefs news. But with the Raiders constantly moving and the Rams recently moving, how do these markets handle the loss of an NFL team when the NFL is the biggest form of entertainment today? I'm in Iowa where I know we won't ever get an NFL or any pro team, yet I see these big markets and I have to assume that they take a big hit. Mark in Des Moines, appreciate the uh, the text, Mark, as well as listening the past couple of years. Uh, okay, that's an interesting question. Um, look, I'm sure there's going to be an economical change uh, for Oakland and for Vegas in 2020. Now, look, Vegas is not, by all means, going to suddenly start thriving because of the Raiders. It's going to be a big deal, especially if they can do what the Vegas Golden Knights did, which is win. Now, if Tom Brady goes to Vegas, wow. I mean, from from a coverage standpoint, you hit the jackpot if you're the Raiders because that'll for sure suck in a lot of people in Vegas that probably are Baltimore Ravens fans or Chiefs fans or Jaguars fans. And they see, hey, my my hometown just got Tom Brady. I think I may, you know, have a vested interest in, in my new hometown team. Um, I think that's the impact you'll see. Now, a, a, a place like St. Louis that lost the Rams, well, that's unfortunate. Um but now St. Louis has kind of adopted the Chiefs as their team. Uh, so I guess that's really the impact you see when you see a big market that loses an NFL team. Financially, yeah, it sucks. I mean, I don't know what the stadium that the Rams played in before in, in, in St. Louis, I don't know what they're using it now. Probably not being used a whole lot anymore. Um, but it is unfortunate because you've got that big stadium there that's not being used on Sundays when it should be. I mean, I think that's the dome that... Uh the black or not uh, the blues play in uh, so they i think it gets some use but oh, yeah i mean i think that it's i, I mean i might they? be wrong on that i don't follow hockey nearly close enough but that wouldn't shock me by the same token i mean like realistically yeah it's a bummer for some of these cities but like look 
Oakland is right across you know the bay from San Francisco, and like that entire area is just you know rolling in tech money. So they kind of don't care realistically. Like I hate to say that, but like when it comes to the economic impact of it, like yeah, it's a little bit of a ding, but not too bad. They'll just be 49ers fans instead. San Diego, you know, Chargers just moved up the way. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit more of a drive, but you could still support the Chargers in LA. I think it's funny that they moved two teams to LA, which is, you know, a city that historically has not cared at all about football, but separate discussion. You know, I think with these bigger markets, like it's it's a little bit of a ding, but it's not a huge one. Whereas I think St. Louis is the type where that might have been a little bit more of a kick. Uh, Oakland, I'm sure, is completely disappointed. Don't get me wrong, but I get I get why they let them go realistically because the amount that they were going to have to put forth to build a new stadium, you know, it's some of the asks that these owners will put out. It's pretty substantial, and so. I understand why the cities are just like, ah, eh, all right. If you can get it someplace else, good luck. Have fun. See ya. Oh, by the way, to uh, to correct you, um, uh, the Blues play in Enterprise Center, which used to be the Scott Trade Center, and the Rams. Uh, I had the name in front of me. Ed, the Edward Jones. Edward Jones. That's where the yeah. that's where the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL play in now. So you have that. DJ, hey, uh, well, did you want to chime in on this solid dish replacement? Yeah, there you go. The XFL. <laughs> More on the solid, for, but you know. I already get crap for being a Chiefs fan in Chicago, so if Kansas City moved to like, I don't know, um what's a what's another city other than Kansas City or St. Louis? Uh I mean San Antonio is a is a pretty big city and I mean, they don't have an NFL team. If they move there, like I you know, I don't I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I haven't had experienced that, thank God. Um, but it would be weird because actually I will bring this up. You know, the White Sox were talking about like 25 years ago, moving to Florida. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf wanted to like, he was trying to make a power play to get a new stadium in Chicago. And I wonder if like how many people would actually have followed the White Sox to Florida. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, those moves are weird. I don't think it's going to be good for the Raiders. I think there's going to be a lot more uh, opposing teams at those stadiums than Raiders fans. In fact, I know they were. There will be. I can't. I still can't. It'll be at it. least equal. Not to change the subject, but they said. I saw. I heard a stat that said that there were two thirds Chiefs fans at the stadium, not two thirds of fans that actually cared. But actually, two thirds of the fans are the people that were at the Super Bowl, which is insane. Yeah, that's insane. That is, insane. I mean, that's you've never seen that before in, in a Super no. Bowl. It's, it's, it is pretty cool. Um, those kinds of things have a big impact for sure. But you know, thankfully for Kansas City, you've got a good base. You've got a supportive fan base, even during the losing years. Like fans still care. Like when the Royals are bad, no one cares about the Royals. But when the Chiefs are bad, fans are angry. Fans are they're demanding change. Um, you saw fans were flying banners over the stadium and wearing black. Uh, we talked about this actually recently, Zach. So um, you know that in Kansas City, you've got a good base. And look, as a Chiefs fan, I feel pretty fortunate. I know we don't like the Raiders or the Chargers, but I, I you know I never want to see an NFL fan base lose their team. I mean that is just 
that's unfortunate. It, it really is. Especially a fan base like the Raiders. That, I mean, those guys love their Raiders. They do. Uh, as crazy as that fan base is, um, they're very supportive of it. And obviously, they're not in sync with uh, with ownership there. Uh, from the 913. No, it's devastating for the fans. I should have mentioned that. Like that. No, part for is, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's never to be under understated. I yeah. guess I took it more as just like the local area itself. Because yeah, honestly, like as much as you know, I love to joke about Raiders fans in general. <laughs> they're hurting, man, and yeah, I feel for them. I really do. Which the Oakland, oh, the city of Oakland, is definitely going to take a hit for sure. Nine one three. I have a Chiefs and a non-Chiefs question for you. Do you see KC adding depth at tight end? Even though Demetrius Harris wasn't good, he will still use a lot more than Blake Bell uh, than Blake Bell was. Let's answer that question. Um, I think Blake Bell was on a one-year deal, and I know yeah. the Chiefs didn't use him the way I predicted they'd use him. Um, I do think that's actually an interesting point. Could the Chiefs look for a tight end in maybe the early rounds of the draft just to give Mahomes another weapon because... Uh, this is an offense that Andy Reid's always run where tight end, it's a, it's a tight end friendly system. Now that was more of the case with Alex Smith because he loved using tight ends. Uh, not to say, you know, Mahomes doesn't, but Mahomes has so many targets. It's not like he has one specific area he likes to throw to, but I can see the chiefs looking for a tight end, uh, whether it's through free agency or maybe in one of the earlier rounds in the draft, probably in the second day. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think that, you know, third, fourth round tight end. I'd be here for that, especially, you know, depending on where the uh, you know, kid from Mizzou goes, that uh, Albert, I'm going to try to butcher his last name, so I'm not going to do that. But, you know, <laughs> you know, it starts with an O. We'll leave it at that. Uh, kid's a stud. <laughs> I just don't know how to say his name. Uh, you know, if he's sitting there and call it the third, fourth round, I think there's certainly a solid pick to be had there. Because realistically, with as creative as Andy is, you know, a, a big physical player like that, you know, that's just one more weapon to, you know, add to the arsenal. And I think that, yeah, the Chiefs certainly could do well to have an extra tight end as well. I mean, like, I mean, think about it. You know, it's already hard enough to defend this team. You just add another weapon in the mix. It's just like that's yet one more mismatch you're going to have to deal with. Like, you know, good luck opposing defensive coordinators. You'll have some fun with this one. Yeah, I mean... The guy, <clears throat> excuse me, the guy that I loved uh, coming out of the draft last year was T.J. Hawkinson, and I drafted him in every one of my fantasy teams, and it worked out for exactly week one. You um, picked the wrong Hawkeye, son. <laughs> <laughs> week one, he was awesome. Week everything else, he was terrible. So you don't know, and Stafford is a, a really good quarterback. So you know the tight ends coming out of the draft lately have not been ideal. Uh, in my opinion. So you got to be careful there. You know, it, again, I go 30, 32nd pick of the uh, the draft. Best p- position available. Maybe uh, Dobbins. That, I mean, that's a guy that I, I... I know we don't need a running back. I know they're... And I, I will, you'll, you'll see me on Twitter all day long say that they're interchangeable. You should draft them high, but that's a dude that would be really interesting in our offense because we know Damian Williams is not a guy that's going to be able to, you know, run the ball 300 times a year. He's Mr. December, late December, January, February. Um, But we need a running back. We absolutely need a running back. 
the second part of his question, I know you said you work for the star. What are your thoughts on McClatchy filing for bankruptcy? Also, will Stu Stone be on your next podcast? Yes, Stu Stone will be on the next podcast. If you guys have Netflix, check out his baseball card documentary called Jack of All Trades. It went on Netflix a couple of months ago. If you don't have Netflix, it's on Apple TV. You can rent it on there. It's actually a really fascinating documentary, and I'm a little biased because I'm familiar with Stu's background, his family members that are all a part of that documentary. Uh, but it is uh, a, a really good documentary, um, which is worth checking out, if, especially if you were into baseball cards. Uh, even if you're not a baseball fan like me, um, it's a really good documentary. But as far as his McClatchy uh, filing for bankruptcy, listen, man. Uh, I actually did a little bit of research on this. In 1847, McClatchy had their first ever four-page paper in a small town in California. Now they're in several cities in 30 states in the in the U.S., including Kansas City, Wichita, and St. Louis, which is where a lot of you listeners are. Um, the Kansas City Star is one of the biggest uh, companies there. And look, I know we all have our opinions on the Star and what they've done lately, um, but I know McClatchy's handi- handling their... Uh, Admin roles a little differently. In fact, they're actually having another company uh, handle things, and they're going to uh, treat it like a private entity. Uh, yeah, look, some local journalism is bad. There's still some good journalism, but it doesn't get mentioned. Like, yeah, I know Channel 5 gets a lot of heat for the Tyree Kill thing, as does the Star, but there are still other people at the Star and for Channel 5 that do great journalism, that, but it doesn't get highlighted as much. Um, but when you have Forbes, ESPN.com, Bar, uh, Bar, Barstool Sports, Bleacher Report, Deadspin, uh, The Athletic, basically any big online media outlet, they're dominating the game and they're the ones that are killing newsprint today. Even news websites that don't do well in terms of traffic, they're still not suffering because they don't put a lot of money in trying to keep their website up because news media, they're spend, spending a lot of money on printing paper and spending a lot of money on dis- dis- distribution for the paper. So um, I think that c- could be a big factor. I know the Kansas City Star has cut back on the number of days a week they do print the paper. Um, it's taken a big hit. I remember Blair Kirkhoff of the Star came to my journalism class in 2013 at KU, and he talked about the 2008 National Championship game when KU was there. And he, he said there were about 10 writers that were on the staff that it was helping cover KU's championship run. And from that 10, only two were on the staff at the time, him and Russ and Dodd. And Russ and Dodd is no longer there. I believe he's doing work for The Athletic now. So, yeah, it's, um, it's changed a lot. Journalism has changed a lot because, especially newsprint media, and they're losing a lot of money. They're not making enough money from advertisers. And there aren't enough people buying. Uh, I remember when I was buying the Kansas City Star the morning of the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl, um, the Kansas City Star people got there as soon as I got there, uh, putting in the new stack and taking away the old stack. And they actually had to count how many newspapers they did not sell. And I'm sure that number is only going up uh, every year. So uh, you're seeing that impact with, uh, with newsprint media today. Yeah, I think realistically this is, you know, kind of a textbook restructure. I mean, that's it's an area in which I play a little bit, like just in that I know a little more about the industry just because that's where I work. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't work for a firm that's touching this deal, let's be clear. But, you know, it's kind of a textbook, you know, example of a company that was a little bit overfunded. Now, this was a public entity, so that's a little different. Uh, it's now delisted, obviously, because, um, 
but it's going to be another one of those things where they're going to try to you know cut out some of the debt that they'd taken on uh, you know clear some of that out and ideally run a, a little bit leaner ship uh the tough thing is just going to be you know if they're running as a private entity which it sounds like they are um yeah it'll be interesting to see one who's the backer there um and you know anytime that these sorts of things take place it's really just a question of you know who gets cut so to speak um one of the things that most commonly happens realistically is that you know pension plans and things like that get hammered which is never fun um that's not fun for everybody but the other thing that happens as they're you know just kind of clearing out some assets it wouldn't be out of the question to see the star change hands it's that simple i mean when it's in this sort of a mode i mean it's not quite fire sale like they're still going to try to get what things are worth um because obviously it's still worth it to them as they continue trying to run the business but i wouldn't be shocked if a bidder comes forward to buy the star they very well may consider it yeah all right let's move oh go ahead dj sorry i didn't know you wanted to No, just to say uh you know Obviously, print paper is dying, but there's there's no way to replace, you know, what I got like a week ago, which was the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl in print. I mean, it's you're yeah. never gonna replace that, and uh, I don't I, I I feel bad for uh, print media because you know that's that's what I grew up with. Uh, more than you guys, obviously, but no, uh, I did too. Believe it or not, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I used to it, read the sports page every morning. <laughs> I try to play the old guy thing. I'm only forty, but I try to play the old guy thing. But yeah, you know, there is something to be said for that. And opening a you know a paper and reading the news, and it's it is sad to see like some a lot of these places going bankrupt. It's 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 rough, uh, and also the writers too, because I. You know, for example, uh, for the KC Star, I love Sam Mellinger. Like he's he's a really good writer and a really good he's a really good dude. Like I don't think anybody would say he's not a good dude. So um, sad that they're struggling. I will say is I used to work for the Star and uh, I was working. Um, I was helping put together the uh, page where you. Get all the NBA scores, the NHL scores, all the high school scores, all that stuff, which is quite the process. Um, they took that away. Uh, they don't have, from what I heard. Now, I, the only time I've bought the Kansas City Star in the past five years is either a Royals Championship uh, edition or the Chiefs Championship edition. That's it. Um, the... I heard they no longer had the section where they have all the scores and therefore the people that were working those jobs and putting them together, they that, that job no longer exists. And I knew a couple of those guys on a personal level because I work with them. So that was unfortunate to hear. Um, yeah, it's changing. It's changing quite a bit. In fact, this next text kind of uh, goes into journalism a little bit. 913, Colton, the last text on the Chiefs Zone podcast. You get it here, Colton. Uh, I am wanting to get into journalism and liked your podcast and your other journalism work. What advice do you have for someone wanting to get into the field? Let me just say this, and I know Zach can maybe relate to this as well, because I know you, um, I think you you were either an intern or you worked with um, Craig Hoffman when he was in Lawrence. Craig Hoffman's now doing... Yeah, I was a spotter. 
Yeah, he's doing. I think stuff with the Redskins football team. Uh, he's 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 moved around a couple of times. But he was with the Redskins. Is still going to continue doing that. Um, though he's actually going to be kind of like the head of content as well for their local WNBA team in Washington. Um, oh, okay. Kind of gets to go. head up a little more of their operation there. Score one for well, LinkedIn. Well, That's the only reason I know. The, the point is, you know, look, if you're in high school or in college, definitely go out there, try to make connections, go look for an internship. Um, that definitely, I mean, the podcast helped me for sure. Uh, but, you know, you have plenty of ways to create a resume. So, you know, look at the Arrowhead Addicts or Arrowhead Prize, like whatever uh, Chiefs blog is out there. They're always searching for writers. Um, I mean, there are always places to go. I remember when I was working for uh, Fansided, I was an editor for their MMA website, Cage Pages, which is defunct, unfortunately. Um, we were always accepting new writers, even writers that didn't have the most amount of experience. We were still uh, looking. So anyway, you can just kind of get your foot in the door, whether it's finding a, a place to blog or if you can write for your student newspaper, um, whatever you can do, an internship do as much as you can because that will definitely help you get recognized and eventually if you can get internships that's how you establish connections because knowing someone uh, will bode well more than your skills I know it's not something people agree with but that is really how you um, how you move up a lot of people I know again Brooke Pryor have your opinions whatever uh, a lot of people are asking how did she go to ESPN from the Kansas City Star well she probably knows somebody maybe an editor that gave her uh, an offer. So that's how these things happen, man. They really do uh, from knowing people. So I'd say that's my advice to you, Colton. Also, just be so good they can't ignore you. That, that is a, that's also yeah. – if you, if you know people and if you're really damn good at what you do, that's an added bonus right there. Were you wanting to say something, DJ? Nope. <laughs> okay, well, there you have it. Awesome. All right, before I sign off here <laughs> – um, I'll talk about the podcast. I'll talk about uh, the new podcast. That is, I'll talk about this podcast, and I'll let Zach and DJ uh, kind of uh, respond, and then we'll end things here. Look, uh, as far as the Farce Cast goes, that'll be coming out in May, as I mentioned. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's not going to be just Chiefs talk. It's not going to be just sports. We're going to go into a lot of different topics, uh, a lot of different guests. Some of the guests that we've had on this podcast, as one pot, uh, one texter mentioned, Stu Stone. Uh, I have not asked him, but I know for sure he will be willing to come on the podcast. So uh, we're going to have a lot of different guests on the podcast, talk about a lot of different kinds of topics, whether it's sports, uh, film, news, entertainment, uh, all kinds of things. A couple of my friends that are doing some interesting things out there in the world, uh, definitely want to bring them on the podcast as well. Um, Like I said, this is is not the last time you'll hear the three of us. We'll, um, We'll for sure do a reunion a couple of times. On the Farce Cast. So we'll be doing that. That'll be coming out in May. Uh, and again, stay subscribed to this feed because that's how you'll be able to listen to the Farce Cast. At least that's what's expected for now. I believe we'll do like some sort of teaser trailer for next week and hopefully we'll be able to reveal the new uh, podcast photo uh, and have that all out in the next couple of weeks. But the podcast will be out in May. Uh, as far as this podcast, the Chiefs podcast, I started this 13 years ago. And I was 16 years old. Some of you guys probably listened at the time. And you guys, I would not listen to a 16-year-old podcaster, but some of you guys did. And I appreciate that. Um, I started this not knowing what it was going to become. And 
This did, I mean, it was this was the first Chiefs podcast online, and now we have a bunch of Chiefs podcasts on, especially now that the team won a Super Bowl, a lot of people want to do a podcast, so everyone's doing a Chiefs podcast now, but this was out there before all of that, uh, which is cool to, 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 to say. Um, I did not know what this was going to become. It opened a lot of doors for me uh, as far as journalism goes, even though I'm not in the industry anymore. It still opened up a lot of doors. I was able to get a lot of opportunities because of this podcast. Some people out in journalism knew uh, who I was because of the podcast, which was pretty cool. It it definitely was. Um, I was 16 years old when I started this podcast, and shortly after I I turned 16, I was interviewing Chiefs players. And if you've been listening way back then, you heard some of those interviews on this podcast. I uh, had the honor of interviewing Hall of Famers. Uh, not just on this podcast, but on other uh, places, uh, such as Bobby Bell on this podcast. I interviewed Will Shields for Bleacher Report. I interviewed Gail Sayers uh, when I was uh, at KU. Um, so many so many great things I've been able to do, and a lot of it was because of this podcast, and that opened up so many doors for me to be able to go do all of these other things. Um, so, you know, it's hard to really put in the words what what this all means. I gotta give a, gotta give a big shout out to my family because they've been very supportive. When I was 17 years old, I actually got press credentials to go to Chiefs home games, and I didn't have a car at the time. So what my dad would do, uh, thankfully the Chiefs were bad for his sake. The Chiefs were bad, so we didn't have to deal with traffic. But as soon as the game would end, he'd leave a couple minutes before the final uh, before the, uh, the 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 final minutes of the game. Uh, he'd be on his way to Arrowhead to pick me up while he's doing that. He's while he's on his way. I was interviewing players in the locker room and such. Um, and then he, because the traffic was not that bad since the team was terrible, he would pick me up and, uh, definitely appreciate him and everything he did in helping me. Uh, and my family support as well. Uh, you guys, for sure. The listeners, uh, all the support you guys have had over the years. Uh, and even if you, listen once and didn't like it, hey, that's okay. This podcast isn't for everyone. Not every writer, uh, radio show host, TV analyst, it, you know, not not everyone is loved by everybody. So, you know, that's just something you've got to accept as uh, whether you're a podcast host or whatever, a writer, whatever. Uh, nonetheless, if you listen to just one episode or many episodes, I definitely appreciate anyone that did take the time to download and give this podcast uh, a try. Certainly appreciate everyone that did that. Uh, definitely big thanks to you guys once again. I know I said this at the beginning, but it's worth saying again, you guys, Zach and DJ, for uh, being co-hosts and helping the podcast out because it was pretty tough for me uh, as far as time goes, and that's a big reason why I brought you guys on. Uh, but it also made the podcast better. My only regret is I wish I brought you guys on sooner because a co-host is nice. I did have other co-hosts that were that, that I talked to, but then they realized they would not have the time for it, which is understandable. It was, it was hard for me the past couple of years, time-wise. But, you know, I was 16 years old. I did not think I'd be interviewing players or get press credentials and st- stand next to other people from the media, uh, you know, putting a microphone up to these coaches and players. Um, it's pretty cool. I would get texts and phone calls from people who say, oh, I saw you in the background on Channel 9's camera. You're there interviewing so-and-so. It's like, cool. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in the background of some of these camera shots. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, it was a thing out there nonetheless. Um, it meant a lot that a lot of people were familiar with all that stuff and uh, would reach out to me. In fact, people who have been spreading the podcast on the Facebook page uh, I've had people from my past contact me recently because the Facebook page has gone up 3,000 followers. Uh, people from my past, co- somebody from my kindergarten class 
reached out to me because someone told them about the podcast. And that's because of you guys, which is awesome. So thank you guys for everything. This has been awesome. It's been an awesome ride. I know I brought the podcast back from the dead a couple of times. That's not happening anymore. The Chief Zone is over. This is the last episode in 13 seasons. Finally got to do a damn Super Bowl. I'm happy with it. I mean, there's no better way to go out, man. That's what I was hoping for. I told you guys, I was like, yeah. man, I don't know if we're going to get a Super Bowl, but we got one. I was wrong, and I'm glad to be wrong about that. So, here, I want to do two things here. One, I want to talk about how those. How about those Chiefs on three. <laughs> you ready? No, I'm not doing that. Come on, come on, come on. No, I'm good. One, two, how about those Chiefs? Those Chiefs. How about those Chiefs? There you go. And one more. <laughs> One more for you, brother. One, two. How about fires? How about those fires? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I redlined awesome. the hell out of that. My bad. <laughs> oh, man. Um, have fun editing no. that. Sorry, buddy. That's okay. Uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, you guys have been awesome. Uh, you guys listening, my my family, my friends, uh, everyone. Um, thank you, guys. Uh this, it's kind of surreal to end this because this has been a big part of my life for the last 13 years even though there were two seasons where I didn't do it people were still asking people were still listening to old episodes which is weird but nonetheless um, it's over and I'm happy with it because that means more free time on my hands uh, people don't realize how hard it is really prepping for the podcast they just think we record and do it it's really not just that um, but we got to cover the worst seasons and we got to do the best season which is obviously the one that just happened um all right that'll do it if you guys want to follow all of us on social media i'm at farzine 21 on twitter zach is at Stegna, dj is at chiefs fan shy facebook.com slash farzine vasugian stay subscribed spread the word because the fars cast will be coming out in may text line is the same 913-808-2119 as far as guests go i'll mention the guests and the topics we'll discuss on social media and i'll promote the number if you guys want to ask any questions about that so we'll have that's how we'll use the text line for the Fars cast. All right. Uh, before we do sign off for good, uh, DJ Zach, any last words before we uh, sign off for good? Man, it's been a great ride. Thanks for bringing us along. Yeah, it was uh, a great ride and awesome last dance. All right, there you go. You heard it from DJ and Zach, and please do follow them on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be doing any podcasting or not. Maybe they take some time off. But even if they're not, I know they're very active on social media. Some of you guys have been interacting with them on Twitter. I've seen that. So they're always awesome guys to talk to. And like I said, not the last time you'll hear the three of us. We'll definitely do a reunion a couple of times on the Farscast. All right. I'm Farzine Vasugian. Thank you guys again for everything, for all the support over the years. We are done with the Chief Stone. Just remember... A year from now, you guys will be celebrating back-to-back wins. Saying that now. All right. That'll do it. Enjoy it. Go Chiefs. Best fans in the world. Best listeners in the world. Thank you, guys. Take care.